Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, Argyle hits theaters and director Matthew Vaughn joins the show. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 296 of Real Blend, a podcast whose favorite Argyle will always be the limousine driver from Die Hard. My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing editor at Cinema Blend. And on this week's show, Argyle is bringing its unique brand of spy warfare to theaters and eventually to streaming. Uh, and because of that, director Matthew Vaughn is our guest on the show. He's going to discuss his new film, his career. He's going to talk about Henry Cavill as Bond. What? And he's going to talk a lot about the X-Men movie as well, too, um, which was great. Some terrific stories from Matthew Vaughn's career. Uh, so we're going to get into that in a heartbeat. But first, let me introduce the boys, starting with Kev McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kev, how are you, sir? Sean, Jacob, Gabriel, and uh, honored to be on with you guys today. And I'm very excited for people to hear this Matthew Vaughn interview because we all walked into this interview. We weren't sure what was going to happen. And I and we had our own Joaquin Phoenix moment walking out. So it was <laughs> that, that was uh, I can't remember if it was Jake or Sean. But uh, for uh, back when, when we did Joaquin Phoenix for the first time, when he left the room to do, after the interview was over, he looked he's like, dare I say I had they turns around to us and go fun like he was confused he had a good time on our show and then i think when we left the matthew vaughn interview we had the exact same reaction because we were nervous because you know we had never sat down with him long form and i remember we were all like is that well and to start the argyle (laughs) press day kevin got matthew vaughn really early in the day yeah. And Vaughn made it very clear that he does not enjoy doing interviews. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so we were all like, oh, great. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not unlike um, watching Saturday Night Live this past weekend with Dakota Johnson as the oh. host. Yeah. Oh. Ahead of the Madam Web junket, which hasn't happened yet. And she says, essentially, boy, I hate doing junket interviews. They're yeah. the absolute and, worst. And to give some clarity to Vaughn's comments, we were just talking about like jobs and kind of doing what you love for a living. And he's like, I love being on set and filmmaking. I, he goes, and he said, you know, no respect, no disrespect to you. I just don't yeah. love this process. Like the interview process essentially is what he was kind of saying. But so when we had him on our show, which you're about to hear, this was like surprisingly awesome. But sometimes I wonder because... You know, obviously we he he said that, and then we had a great experience with him. And and Alexander Payne said something similar before. Mm. It's if it's less of, you know, and I'm trying. You know, it's, it, we try not to take that too personally, but like less of I hate doing interviews and I, I hate talking to you guys, and more that they hate being forced to sum up their entire cinematic filmmaking process into these four minute. Yeah. soundbite thing like it seems like the impression i get is not that they don't love talking about this thing that they've spent months yeah. and sometimes years of their life doing but they hate having to do it as these like rapid fire four minute sort of conversations yes gabe uh i don't know if we've ever i've never asked you guys this where did they how did they land on four minutes does anyone know like when when they land on that slot well it used to be much more you know i i i subscribe to a couple of youtube channels of people that did junkets long before uh, any of us did bobby wygan's a really popular one if you get the chance she was a um a junketeer out of dallas and jim ferguson, jim ferguson, ferguson, ferguson yeah, yeah. Jim, friend of ours jim ferguson i mean there are enough people that on the junket circuit now that were doing it at a time when i mean you hear some of the stories about and we've all been doing it enough where it's changed just in the time that we've done it but they tell stories about uh what used to be 30 minute junket slots 30 minute mm. tv junket slots they tell stories about um, before a junket interview uh, that they would come in with a camera 
and and take a picture of the of the two of you together and have the picture <laughs> ready to go when the when the interview is over. You hear these sort of stories, and it just makes me wonder, like what sort of stuff. Well, I guess you know we're getting off topic, but the, the biggest change, the biggest transition, uh, in in the junket world since we started is that when we all started, uh, all junkets were in person. Yeah, and and, now, and, and, and on beta tapes and like, on beta, I mean, well, yeah, just yeah. the format that, yeah, my God, you used to uh, yeah. when you used to do a twilight junket, which would be about eighty four <laughs> different rooms and yeah. oftentimes three cameras per room. Uh, yeah. I used to actually have to bring, and that's not to say that there weren't other junkets that weekend. Legit, you used to have to bring an mm. extra empty suitcase yeah. to pack full of beta tapes. Well, uh, you'd get a junket gift bag usually too, yeah. yeah, to really pull back the curtain, and, which and had was, like crap, you know. Like, it, I'm not talking like a, a luxurious grift. I'm talking about like you know a, a t-shirt and a hat and all sorts of paraphernalia that you'd end up being like, I can't even fit right. any of this. I used to like, give what am I- to, like, I used to give 99.9% of that stuff away to the employees of the Four Seasons. Which I'm sure, I'm sure they're like, what the hell am I going to do? What, what am I going to do with a, uh, a Terminator Genesis t-shirt? Yeah, I work and, at the Four uh, Seasons, sir. And uh, just taking over Sean's job for a second, I'm going to introduce Jake Hamilton, who's speaking right now uh, hey, from Fox 32 in Chicago. Thank you. Um, Kevin and I have dressed up like the pills that Sean has to choose from All as right. to whether or not he wants to go to the Matrix. So let's <laughs> let's really pull the curtain back here. Uh, we have a new recording time slot. And uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, which is a great transition, you're going to notice from here on out that for the most part, the boys are going to be TV ready. And uh, this Damn right. sloth is still going to be rolling. Up to his desk. <laughs> uh, here's, here's some behind the scenes. That is Sean TV ready. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Sean, Sean, don't, also you, accurate. Don't, don't you still have a tuxedo from like the Ben Hur premiere that you could like just throw on for I'd, us? Um, I'd you know, somewhere, yes. I'll dust like it off. The shortly. Wizard of Oz premiere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about bring a leisure suit, maybe? You know, a little more recent. Start getting those uh, t-shirt tuxedos, the tuxedo yeah. t-shirts. So I'll just wear those on on show day. So now you have a reason to go to the YouTube channel, and while you're there, make sure you hit subscribe and turn on your notifications. Ding. We are adding followers all the time. Uh, great comments on last week's show, and everybody sort of weighing in with their Oscar feedback. Um, that was a really interesting show, and, and it generated a, a ton of really good responses from folks. So please make sure you're going in and weighing in on all of that. Of course, if you uh, just want to listen to us in an audio format, we're available all different places you get your audio needs met. If you would like to sign up for RealBun Premium, you get a couple different things that come with the RealBun Premium service, including a newsletter. Uh, and an ad-free version of the show. So if you'd like to find out how to join Real Blend Premium, head to the description wherever you are currently listening to the most recent show. All right, so Matthew Vaughn. Um, most people primarily know him from the Kingsman films. Uh, he also, as you will find out in this conversation, directed a film that uh, gets a ton of credit for getting Daniel Craig the the role of 007 called Layer Cake. If you have never seen Layer Cake, please go out of your way to go see that. I had no clue. Um, something really interesting about Layer Cake that Matthew was going to tell you guys in the interview uh, leading into this. And then um, as a little standout, he also directed X-Men First Class and goes into great uh, detail about how and why directing a superhero film or a franchise film in general uh, is not necessarily something he would like to do <laughs> to do again. Um, and. You know, what was interesting, too, is because he was going to get to do Days of Future Past and he kind of tells us why he didn't do Days of Future Past as a follow up to First Class. 
And um, yeah, he just ended up being a, a terrific, terrific, insightful interview Gave us more from time. a guy who, yeah, after a couple of minutes realized, oh, I can I can open up about my career and really get into in-depth conversations, which as as we all know, is like a badge of honor for this for this show. So so let's stop talking about Matthew Vaughn and get right to the conversation. Without further ado, this is Matthew Vaughn joining the Real Blend podcast. <laughs> Wow. So, so we had to wing it and we cool. we're still here. So I'll open this up. Uh, 20 years ago, you directed one of my favorite films later. Are King. we on camera? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah we're going. Yeah, we're going. Okay, okay, uh, but 20 years ago, you directed one of my favorite movies, Layer Cake, which yeah. is how long ago? 20 years ago. Okay. It was 2004, right? Am, yep. I, am I had that yep. right? Yeah. And so 20 years between that point and here um, to be sitting with you here in London for Argyle. I'm just right. curious how reflective you are over those 20 years, what you maybe remember on Layer Kate that you're still utilizing now in a film of this scale. Um, I, 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 as you can see, I'm actually shocked it's been 20 years. When you said that, I was like, oh, my my God. So, um, Like you thought it had been less or more? Less. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Trust me, the older you get, the more in denial you are about <laughs> time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the clock starts uh, going the wrong way. Um, no, I, what have I, I, it sounds crazy is I'm only now beginning to think I'm a film director. So, you know, when I did Layer Cake, I never looked, I never looked through a movie camera before. It was a um, guy, Richie was meant to direct Layer Cake. Oh, I actually and, didn't know that. No, yeah. So it was all developed for him. I was, I was a producer, right? And, um, and when he decided not to do it, my wife to her, you know, I mean, really, really, to her credit, it was her idea, not mine. She said, I think you should direct it because she'd seen how much I've been working on the script and how I worked so closely with Guy on Lock, Stock and Snatch. And um, I was like, I, I can't become a director, become a producer. And the moment I try directing and if it doesn't go well, I'm screwed as a producer because why would any director they'd say, what do you know? You made the world's worst <laughs> movie. <laughs> Shut up. So I lost, I lost the high ground. Um, and I was umming and ahhing about it. And then J.J. Connolly, the writer of the book and the screenplay, Layer Cake, he said it as well. So he said, you should, I went to him saying, who do you think we should go to next? And it was you. And, uh, and I literally, I went on holiday and, and I went, okay, let's do it. Let's, let's, let, I, I had no aspirations to be a film director. It didn't even occur to me that I could be one or should be one. Um, and o- over the last 20 years, what's changed is, is I would say on set, I was... 70% a producer, 30% a director. So, you know, it's Jekyll and Hyde, but I would make decisions. Um, you know, let's say I needed another setup the, and I'll be looking at my watch. The producer would say, no, you don't. I go, right, we can live without it. <laughs> now it's, it's it has flipped. I'm now making decisions based purely on creativity and, and, and yeah. And I, you know, I think, you know, the, the term imposter syndrome really does apply to me when it comes to being a director. I was sort of like, am I getting away with this again? Oh, and, uh, it's not, it, it's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's something, because it, I never aspired to be it. It's sort of like, how did this happen? And how long will this last? And I'm grateful for it. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. So, um, but I keep thinking I'm going to get found out that it's, 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 um, I have to work hard to direct. It if, doesn't come if easy. If you don't mind, then what pushes you into each next project then? It's great. Why wouldn't I? I mean, no, no. The fact that I can, I'm always think I'm, I'm always expecting that one day the phone will stop ringing or no one will take me seriously as a director. Okay. So, so it's a, it's, it is a, um, but now I'm. When you said it's twenty years, I don't know why. It just that landed something in my, in my mind. Um, mm. And also, I was, 
being interviewed yesterday and in, in the introduction they went through all the movies. I'm like, oh my God, I've made quite a few films now. It's some great <laughs> films, yeah. man. Like Kick-Ass, yeah. I mean, wow. Stardust. We all love Stardust. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love, yeah. fucking love Stardust. So, um, so yeah, so I think what I've learned is I'm now beginning to feel like I am a film director. I, I never, if people say, what do you do? I say I make movies because I feel like I do, you know, the producing and the financing and writing. I feel like I make, I, I don't like saying I'm a director. I feel, right. I don't know, I feel, I feel a bit weird saying mm. it. Interesting. Well, I'm going to go through some of the big stars that you've worked with in your career yeah. because quite a long list now. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. This Pe- movie alone. Peter O'Toole, De Niro, Legend. Robert De Niro. I don't want to call him De Niro. You call him De Niro. At least yeah. you know who yeah. he is. Bob. Ian McKellen, yeah, Bob, Nicholas yeah. Cage, Michael Caine, Colin Firth, Mark Hamill, uh, Julian Moore, uh, Michael Gambon, Elton John. Oh my I'm sort of curious who was the person that you worked with on set that you most paused, looked at in the flesh, and went. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I can tell you, it was Mark Hamill. Straight oh, away. Really? Why? I, was, I, was, well, I mean, not wine, but... It's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yes. End of, right? And, and, and I looked through, I remember looking through the lens going, Luke Skywalker. I'm directing Luke Skywalker. And, and I couldn't believe it. I was, I was like, wow. So I was most... And, and then I think the second time I got a, a real chill was with Michael Caine because we were setting up the shot and I heard someone who I thought doing a bad Michael Caine impression and I went, guys, come on. He's got to, oh, hey, Michael. <laughs> um, um, that was pretty f- phenomenal. So those are the, t- I'd say. Do you know his real last name is Mike, is, is Maurice Mil- Mickle Maurice Mickle, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know that. Yeah. Mickle Thwaite, isn't it? Mickle Thwaite, uh, is it because he was apparently like his, uh, he was trying to, secure a name for like for, for equity and he was watching yeah. he looked up at the uh one of the Marquee. theaters marquees and yeah. it said the kane mutiny yeah and that's oh, how he chose wow. his last name that's <laughs> really yeah 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 well i mean what i mean yeah i mean the, when we worked with michael i just never wanted to say action because he would just tell us stories between each take and his stories were i think all the movies i loved and he would tell us what happened and how he did it and his enthusiasm still be on a movie set at that age was very impressive. I want to ask you about um, something that gets discussed in this film where it's a criticism leveled at Bryce and it's a narrative reason, but I think it applies to a lot of your films where they say um, it's a cliffhanger and they're like, no, that's a cop out. But you like to end on cliffhangers and you like to tease out. So I I thought you might've had some thoughts as to that criticism kind of leveled the things that, that end on a cliffhanger and don't sort of deliver uh, Do I tell me what the, I, I can think of? Lockstock. What else? It uh, feels like the Kingsman Cliff- movies kind of end on a tease for things to come. Maybe they do. I don't know. Not by de- you know, not by uh, design. Maybe by default. Um, um, like this movie led me wanting more. Well, yeah. The, when, once we finally talk did. spoilers. Oh no, I like teases. Yeah, for the, what's coming next. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The cliffhanger's got. When you say cliffhanger, I, I think the Italian job. That's a oh. cliffhanger. Uh, Meaning, yeah. <laughs> are you That's, fucking with me? <laughs> um, that is a cliffhanger. If I'm going to do a cliffhanger, I want everyone to fucking kick the TV across, <laughs> across the, you know, go, I can't believe this. And go, um, so, yeah, teasing, Jesus. I like to tease, but I wouldn't, yeah, so that's for me. That's maybe just a, an American English. Gotcha. Can't, yeah. Bring it back to Luke Skywalker for a second. Yeah. I, I think I told you this earlier. I never um, thought anyone would say that during this podcast. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But but one of my favorite edits that you have in this film is the blinking of the eye. Yeah. 
And mm-hmm. I, I, last night as I'm watching the film, I haven't felt that way about an edit like that probably since the wipe in Star Wars. Wow. Because it became such a character almost in the character. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I know, I know you don't love to dive in exactly how you do things sometimes with filmmaking, but I'm genuinely curious, is that done in camera? Are you able to no, like... No, that's not. I mean, it's very simple. It's, is it, it just it, a it, digital it is, edit? It's no, it's basically a white with eyelashes, right? And yeah. quicker and coming down and... But it has, and, it has like, a, like a scope to it and like an oval. Yeah, 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 but it, 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 it's, 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 it wasn't that complicated to do, but it was, it was, I was got worried because when I said we're going to use blinking as, as a device for first of all for the fights because and by the way shooting action sequences twice you've got to be a moron to come up with the idea because <laughs> it, like it does happen sometimes my brain like the ice skating as well i was like i shouldn't have thought of this because <laughs> now i have to execute on really hard work yeah um but the blinking i just thought it was a really fun way to transition between the, yeah. the fights but then i thought actually this would be a great way do time jumps as well. So the and if you notice, there's two types of there's blinking with energy, and then there's the oh shutting down, right. blinking, and then it will come up and we're in a new new place. Um, so it was. Um, and by the way, I absolutely I can you know Star Wars when I fell in love with cinema right, and I was a kid, and uh, I don't know who it was. Well, someone was interviewing us and Sam Jackson. And I said, I was six when I saw it, and he like nearly fell off his chair. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? But when I saw Star Wars. I literally thought Darth Vader was in the small, um, not Star Cruiser, whatever, I don't know what, Princess Leia's little spaceship, and he was like a pirate invading <laughs> the princesses. I thought it was the princess has to be in the big one. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But that's how young I was. Um, mm. But I remember then thinking these wipes were astonishing. So it stayed with me. I just thought a wipe made you just, it was telling me it was like a turning of the page. Mm. So we did try actually there were two ways i was thinking do i do the blinks or do i do like a turning of the page like a book her book a book sort of in yeah. the movie that we we oh, looked at it and it looked cool but mm. it was but it didn't it was a device instead of a narrative reason mm-hmm. well the blink because we're in her perspective yes. that's what's so brilliant about yeah. it and, and, exactly. and it makes perfect sense that she would yeah. be going and the whole movie's that. about being in her head literally so there you go Uh, But by the time we get to this process, we try to avoid asking you any questions that we know you've been asked a thousand times. But I do want to ask you a question. I I want to ask you a question about a question that I feel like you're getting a lot, which is Taylor Swift. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yes. I I don't. I don't super get it. I don't don't get it either. I I think there's an Argyle connection in there somewhere. I think she wrote something Argyle related. But I guess my question for you is to what degree do you go? Stop fucking asking me about Taylor Swift. And to what degree do you go? Hey, like it's. It's get people are talking about it. That I, I've seen that headline everywhere. Um, well, be careful what you wish for sometimes. <laughs> and you know uh, the 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 enthusiasm that Taylor Swift has or her fans have for her. Um, I don't want to take advantage of, and sure. I definitely don't want to alienate them because if they all turn around, like God forbid, imagine Taylor goes. You shouldn't watch this film. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh my god! Yeah. Um, Go watch Cats instead. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I'm not. And but it was a real. The lesson for me was the first time to have my daughter come to me and say, "You never told me Taylor Swift wrote the book." I was like, "What are you talking?" I literally said, "What are you talking about?" She goes, "Taylor Swift wrote the book." And when am I going to meet her? And I was like. Uh, she didn't write the book, and you're not going to meet her. Um, and I was just Mark Hamill. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, "Come on, explain this to me." And then she got on and was showing me all this stuff. And this, this, 
think it started with a, t- a lady on TikTok and her analysis was unbelievably um, thorough, mm-hmm. right? So, so I mean, so thorough, I was like, yeah, wow. she did write you know? No, but I was like, <laughs> did, did Ellie Conway base it on her? It got to this, we- I, saw, I was even like, there's something maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, but she didn't. That's why I went, I have to kill this one off because look, um, Taylor Swift's an amazing lady that has been taken advantage of by, and, you know, yes. look what happened to um, Scooter Braun. Scooter, yep. Yeah. So I don't want to be on that list. No. Good man. Yeah. Good man. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your action and the differences of your action when you are inside the sequences that are very clearly the book um, and the ones that are rooted in real life and how eventually they start to come really close to each yeah. other. I don't know, uh, well, you'd clearly realize this, but your movie has like back to back to back big set pieces to end. Oh, this was my small little lockdown movie. This, <laughs> this was, was this hilarious. Was, what, what makes me laugh is because when my daughter said, you know, I showed her romance in the stone, they said, please make us a movie like this. And I was like, okay, hmm. I'll try. I said, I don't know if I can pull this one off because I'm going into a bit of a comfort zone denial of, you know, there's stuff in this that's not my normal DNA of filmmaking. I prefer R-rated movies. I just always have. Yeah. That's, that's me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went, you know what? Look, we're coming out of lockdown. This is really contained. It's small. It's intimate. I can just do this one first. And then I've got another movie massive compared to, well, I think it was massive compared to this, but maybe this, this ballooned. But then what happens is my mind gets in. There wasn't that much action in the script. There wasn't many set pieces. There, wasn't a, there was no cat. There was no... Oh, um, wow. No, th- there was so many things that once I got under the hood, I got inspired, and then I can't help myself just push the boundaries. So, but this is meant to be my small little. Well, <laughs> and the one in particular I want to ask about is is Henry driving that car down down the mountain <laughs> when he skateboards down the, 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 the <laughs> on the moke, the mini moke, no, yeah. the moke. Is it freeing to just say like? Physics don't matter in this instance because we're inside the imagination of the storyteller. That was the whole point. The whole first four and a half, five minutes of the movie, I sort of wanted a lot of people to think, Vaughn has lost his fucking mind. <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> Whirly bird and this, and then scene is picking up. I just really want everyone going, oh, you're in. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was, you know, um, I just wanted them to go, oh, God. And then, then we find out, nah. It's not the case. Right. Um, and it's sort of the same with Romancing the Stone. When I was watching it with the kids, I'd forgotten the beginning. And, you know, it's the Western and the hero. And I was like, oh, Zemeckis. I now, as a, I mean, Romancing the Stone was my first successful date, right? Okay. So wow. you have to understand that movie was really important to me. So, I, yeah. yeah I was a really Here in good, London? Here in London, the mm. Odeon Kenson High Street, no longer there. Mm. And I went there because I bought tickets to this, to this girl and Purely the romance in the stone. I went, oh, I don't know, some rom-com chick flick. I'm going to hate every second of it. Yeah, yeah. I liked it more than her. Yeah. I was just like, this is amazing. And I think it was a little Nelly, well, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the pickup truck wasn't the, and I was like, this is, I remember thinking Michael Douglas was the coolest guy. DeVito was funny. Kathleen Turner. I mean, I was just like, this is, yeah. this is movie making. Um, but it gave me something to just, and we came out and, you know, dates, 13, it's not easy. You know, it was awkward. We actually had something to discuss. I was like, oh, right, because we both enjoyed it for different reasons. And I thought I'd love to recreate. What I genuinely think this is the perfect date movie, you know. Um, and you know, on Valentine's Day, I hope the world come goes watch goes watches my Valentine in in Sam Jackson is yeah. is in the movie. Yes. But I so I try to. I always you know I was trying to make a movie where I think women will love and men will tolerate. 
that was that's what I was trying to <laughs> that I was trying to come up with. That's great. I'm going to shift gears completely because I want to geek out with you about probably my favorite scene in the entire X-Men franchise, which is which the one? blood and honor sequence, uh, which I, with Michael Fassbender. Oh, the first scene we which, shot. Which one do you want to shed first, blood or honor? Like, yeah. I think that might be the most badass Magneto scene I've ever seen. Just that whole sequence is brilliant. I know we're completely shifting gears here, yeah. but I just wanted to nerd out with you about that scene and filming that. Did you know how badass that was <laughs> going to be reading it? Because well, I'll let you into a secret on that scene. Um, it was the first day of filming. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was, you know, we arrive, you know, I'm nervous because, you know, I'm a director for hire, which is a whole new ball game for me. And director for hire? Oh, the, oh, can you explain that to our audience? Like, 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 because at this point you've directed movies prior to that. Yeah, done, came. but I've always been independent and, and I still am. You know, this is independent. Kingsman's independent. They're all independent movies, but that was the one time where, and when you're being a director for hire, the biggest thing I learned from it is I've been, so we say, slightly dismissive of some other directors and their movies. And then I realized how wrong I was. Because when you're a director for hire on these big studio films, you have one little bit of a hand on that steering wheel. Mm -hmm. And there's another 12 hands <laughs> with big muscles that just shift it around. And, and it's an interesting thing because they make you make do bad things. And then they blame you for it. <laughs> if, or, and if, if you do some good stuff, then they go, well, that was us. So it's when you direct these movies, you're more like, it's a really odd, odd experience. It was for me. I mean, it's so much so I never went back because I was like, um, not doing that. Because it was really, I know actually the most disappointing thing for me with the X-Men world was when I, um, and we worked, we did got Days of Future Past ready. And then I wasn't allowed to direct it because Brian had contractually first option. And I was like, oh, okay. And I get it. Cause you know, X-Men, Brian Singer, I don't care what anyone says. He's, sure. you know, the, you know, and he started it in a time when superheroes were not in, 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 and I remember seeing the first X-Men and, and I thought X2 was a moss. The, the X2 opening in the yeah. White House is yeah. Yeah. classic. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so back to that scene, Blood and Honor. Was it Blood and Honor? Uh, I, think um, it was, I hope I have that right. Yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. mad if I'm wrong on that. Um, so it was the first day of filming and one of the guys I worked with, Carlos, I put him behind the bar. There's the Argentinian <laughs> barman, right? And we're shooting the first scene. And, and I said, look, what's going to happen? He's not an actor, obviously. He works with me. And he's pulling the pint and uh, handing it over and, and then walks over and he's, you know, gets the knife. And he's, I kept going, ooh, like this. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you got, you, this is a knife. It's flying through the air. It goes into you. Make it, um. He's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And Fassbender's thinking this is like a, an actor to know I know him. I went, I'll tell you what I do. Ready? Three, two, and I just, <laughs> as hard as I could. He's an old friend. I winded him and he went oh, down. And I was like, that is what I need. And the whole crew, all the actors were just like, okay. Um, and then we, I said, ready? And let's go. And that's where I think the tension came from because they were just like, Jesus, this guy's going to punch me if I get it wrong. And he's a big guy as well. And I think if they think if I'll punch him, I'll punch anyone. Dude, that scene is so badass. Like, which one do you want to shed yeah. first? Oh, yeah. my God. Really and Fassbender's, yeah. oh, he's so good. Yeah. Um, James, his James Bond audition, if you ask me. That yeah. That, oh, that perfectly leads to my next question. Because yeah. a lot of people credit Layer Cake with being a big reason that Daniel Craig was cast as James Bond. And he was fantastic. Rightfully yeah. so. But around that time, Henry Cavill, obviously, famously, also auditioned for the yeah, part. Yeah, I've seen him and Daniel. And I feel like 
this movie and also a little bit Man from Uncle give us a little bit of taste of maybe it was great in Man from Uncle. A ver- oh, it was brilliant. But I think Man from Uncle is one of the most underrated movies. By it's the way, incredible. Yes. It might be yeah. Guy Ritchie's best movie. Yeah, I, I when I saw Man from Uncle and Guy and I are very competitive. Let's yeah. put it that way. But we were competitive before I became a director. We want to beat each other, at, whether it's chess or whatever. <laughs> and and, um, and when I saw Man from Uncle, I thought he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I still do not understand why it should have done better. I went to that set. I I went to that set, and it was the only time I ever felt sitting across from two actors where I was like, fuck you, you're not human. Oh, yeah, the two of them. The Cavill and Army Hammer. And I was like, you're not human. Like, I'm looking at gods. The weird thing is we were shooting (laughs) Kingsman, I think, next door. uh, Because Guy used to come visit me on the set. Okay. Yeah, it was weird. We were like... Playing chess, going, we're meant to be making movies. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, but it's a great film. My question was going to be, how do you think Henry Cavill would have done as Bond? Do you feel like you got a taste I of I think if, you, if you're an Ian Fleming fan, there is no one better right now on this planet to play James Bond than Henry Cavill. Do you think he should, t- if I they agree. came back around? Still do. I don't, I, if you're an Ian Fleming fan, if you read the book, he is James Bond. Yeah. In every, there's, he's just perfect for it. Full stop. Yeah. You see him walk down the hallway. That's Bond. Yeah. 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 All right. We're going to switch into spoilers. So now you can talk go, freely. Go. And everything we talk about from this point on, we will hold until after people have seen the movie. We don't want to ruin anything. We got to get you on our show again sometime. Yeah. Man. Oh, You're awesome. Please. Yeah. Um, I want to just talk about Henry's final scene. <laughs> I want to talk about the accent and the hair. Okay. And I want to talk about the design of that and what it's meant <laughs> to mean. Jesus, he's obsessed with cliffhangers. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Explain I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's a cop out. No, it's a cliffhanger. Well, yeah. I also want to talk about Henry's just his ability to be versatile and and do almost anything in this film. Well, the, the whole thing about Argyle is about turning everything upside down, inside out, and topsy turvy. So uh, that is meant to be the ultimate moment of: is everything we just watched real? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But in the next movie you get to see more of that new character. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Can I, I hope, if, by the way, and I say in the next movie, and I touch wood, well, oh, fuck, I'm not touching wood. <laughs> <laughs> Someone find some wood. wood. I'm oh, touching yeah. wood. Yes, okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Um, kind of a two-parter. One, this is just the fan nerd in me about this. When Ryan Cranston's character is re- revealed to be a villain, right before that moment, he knocks on the door. Is that at all the man who knocks Breaking Bad type of reference where he breaks bad? Is that, am I just reading into that as like a fan of that, of that show? Oh, that reveal. Sorry, I was thinking, well, first time you meet him, he's got a gun and he shoots someone in the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's villainous. That, that's, um, when he's revealed, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's the reveal, reveal that he's the father. The, the father, yeah. That's, yeah. Why, that's, that's what, what he got meant. me. Um, no, actually, well, for me, it was, a, it was the not same knock as Valentine in The First Kingsman. Oh! oh that was cool. Okay, cool. All right, cool. The other part of my question is this. The marketing for this film is very heavily focused on the idea of who is Argyle. And what's interesting about that is when that that's one of the big reasons why I mean, not only do I want to see the film because you directed it, but I wanted to know who Argyle was. The marketing yeah. worked on me. I am somebody who watched it and was like, I need to find out who that is. Yeah. When do you decide in terms of your filmmaking process and or the marketing process that that's going to be the big question that goes into it? Because at the end of the day, you're making a movie in a bubble before we ever see a trailer, before we ever see any marketing about who is Argyle. So like, how does that come about with the studio and the marketing, knowing that's going to be kind of the hook? Well, I thought one of the things that's interesting is right now, when you say who is Argyle, it's a legitimate question when you're seeing Argyle up there. You're going, what is Argyle? Yeah. You know, so it is a, a and then and then I thought the Universal were brilliant when they came up with the, the don't let the cat out of the bag. I was just like, oh, man, you guys are clever. <laughs> uh, They're very good. They are good. And then when they said, 
uh, they wanted a book from the Twisted Mind of Matthew Vaughan, and they were really nervous. I mean, yeah, it's great. My you wife like is, that? I thought it was funny. Cool. I, I don't care. What do, I, do they have to run that by you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah, that stuff, too. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, yeah. I don't mind. I'm like, whatever, you know. Um, although the new one, which only came out yesterday, I wish we'd called the movie a novel experience. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that was, it's still that, time. Still yeah, maybe. Weeks. I should tell them. I went, oh, I went, because I, I, I was saying an interview. I mean, this is a really novel experience. I went, we love a good part. Novel oh. experience. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so, yeah. Maybe I will tell them, actually. It's cool how you guys did that. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the post credit scene that a lot of people are going to be talking about, yeah. uh, which uh, alludes to the fact. Not as much as the studio hadn't seen it, and they were like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what is that? What does that mean? We shot that just on our own, just for the hell of it. You snuck that in? Snuck it in. But also, like. We did that in Layer Cake as that's, well. Layer that's like cake, some yeah. Denis Villeneuve, Dune Part 2 yeah. type of stuff. We, we, really. On the end of Layer Cake, if you want to know a cliffhanger. So, um. I love cliffhangers. You should him at the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah, good film. Though. The yeah. Um, yeah. Do you remember when Ace Ventura made fun of that in the sequel? And it opened up with him doing the oh, cliffhanger yeah. thing? Yeah. 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 The raccoon. But with, um. I was going to say now. So, yeah, on Layer Cake, it was a. They, the studio, it was originally written, he gets shot. And they went, we'll, we'll make this, but she, he cannot die at the end. I went, fine, fine. You know, and, and first film, I was like, whatever, boss. So we shot him getting in the car with Sienna Miller goes off. That was the cut they saw. And then when we tested it, I went, guys, um, let's put on the real ending that we shot. And we put NG over every take. Back then it wasn't digital, so you could get away with blue murder. <laughs> and... I, I can. If you ever wanted, I wish I could have filmed the executives when they said they jumped out of their skin, oh. like the audience go, huh? <laughs> you just saw two heads <laughs> bouncing up and going, and they looked at me, and we walked outside, and they're like, "What the fuck do you think you are?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but I think it's the right ending. He's a drug dealer. There's got to be some moral code." And he was like, "No," he's screaming at me, and then you go in for it for a, uh, an audience thing where they will start talking about it. And the first guy scribble goes, what did you think of the ending? Right, first question. And, and normally you ask what you think of the film and all this shit. I was like, wow, he is pissed. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. And they went, who liked it? 20 hands went up. And he looked at me and went, boom. And then they said, what do you like about it? And this guy literally said... It felt like an ending that some studio executive wasn't allowed to fuck up. <laughs> oh and I looked at him and he looked at me. And to his credit, he went, I'm a studio executive. That would have fucked us up. Keep it. Wow. Oh, yeah. I respect that. I, yeah, I so I said, that. thank you. And then full circle 20 years later, you did it again. Yeah, this one, because, yeah, this was this was a crazy idea, because, you know, the, the book coming out, and you guys should read the book. It's a good book. They gave it to us. It's a really good book. It's book one. It's nothing to do with the movie. I mean, what it is, because it's about the young yeah, Argyle, sure, Bradley right. Partridge. And I, it was funny. I just went, so when I read the book, all right, I was like, why are we not filming something from this? You know, and it's all over the stuff. And 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 I had an idea when I was because you know, in my mind, what I want to do, I you know, on the left of Marv is Kingsman, on the right now is Argyle, right? And they're two they're, they're, they're two different types of spies right, in films. There's a world where I think a few things can meet in the middle with all of my stuff, like kick ass as well. I've sort of in this this I've just got this sort of new not new, I've always sort of thought about it, but I just think, you know, for example, I was at Warner's and I was laughing, going, oh, maybe we should do a, uh, uh, you know, maybe Austin Powers gets his suits made at, um, at Kingsman, right? <laughs> and then I went, nah, fuck it, that's yours. I'm not, not going to do that. But Argyle, he wears pretty damn well cut suits, yeah. so there is a there is a, a universe one day where I can bring everything together. So you see all of your films connected. Like, you see... 
kick ass in this yeah. film. Yeah, like, Stardust would be hard push. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I had a sequel to Stardust, which was a really fun idea, but maybe that, and that could work in a weird way because I had the idea was that the stone gets thrown over the other way. And the lands and, and it'd be, in theory it would be set in the 60s and all oh, the wizards oh. and princes come over to England oh. in the 60s and they fit in because it's the 60s. Oh my God. So and I thought that could be fun. We were saying that the next Bond should be in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Just shake it up. That'd be kind of cool. do something different. Yeah. Don't let them do it. I think it's a terrible idea because I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have you on our show uh, without bringing up Kick-Ass because I know we got brought up about whatever you uh, briefly, mm-hmm. but... You can give them a little bit more time. They're interesting. Hey. Oh, thanks, man. Hey, thank you. Um, thank you. So correct me if I'm wrong, and uh, watch me botch this now as I get the fuck out of here. Um, <laughs> you used Adagio in D minor, that 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 yes. classic score. Is it John Murphy? Uh, I'm trying to remember who did that music, but it was so in Adagio Sunshine. Adagio well, it's my four favorite chords. So if you listen to any, yes. any, any piece of my film music, it's all, we, it's my four, it's the four chords. Yeah, I, always, I felt I it in this with Lauren's score too. I, I, I'm so, I wanted to ask yeah, you because... music in this is great. Right, yeah. and will you always use score as a leading character? I wanted to ask yes. you, but that scene in Kick-Ass, yeah. like I'll never forget seeing that for the first time. We're right. in the POV of Hit Girl. And, yes. and, and and so the Adagio in D minor is playing in that yes. moment. And I will never forget hearing the marriage of that music to that scene. And yes. I just wanted to know like where your mind was when you filmed it. Did you know you were going to use that, that music in that point? Yeah. I, it- I, if I want to create emotion, those four chords, I mean, music is actually quite technical and it sort of releases dopamines and, and, and I've, I've just figured out which chords does what. So I drive my composers nuts. Cause I'm like, right. I call it the Vaughn chords. I go, right. This scene, Vaughn chords, that one, knock your fucking socks off, <laughs> Vaughn chords. And I'm, and I'm adamant about it because I have to instantly make people feel something. And, and those chords, they're sort of heroic and noble and sad at the same time. That's exactly what it is. I've never been able to describe it yeah, until now. He's the one. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for <laughs> finally making me understand why that makes me feel that way. Yeah, yeah. So that's why music is a universal language. That's what's crazy about music. Like music and color, we all seem to have the same... Reaction: Blue is cold, red is warm. Yeah. D minor is noble and sad. C major is happy. You know. I cry in that scene. That's one of Cage's best because he dies in that scene. Yeah. That's one of. Oh, he's Cage is a genius. By the way, Cage was. I mean, a pleasure to work with and a very good actor. Yeah. Yeah. Damn great sequence. Yeah. 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 They are kicking us out. I wish we had more time. We didn't even get to talk about Bryce Dallas Howard, who is fantastic in your film and carries so much, and and John Cena. We'll do one last question. So if I say to you, you have this is the last question you can ever ask me. What would it be without mentioning cliffhangers? What are you? What? When are you? How come you get to say it? These two. It's his turn. It's his turn. turn. When they both literally bowed to the altar. He's also. He's kind of the. He kind of runs the show. He runs the show. I'm a little bit the. There is an element. There is an element. Yeah. We'll remake the movie for you. A very significant element of of a plot point in this movie that is suggested that is it was delivered by a fan. And that they decided to take a fan note and use it going forward. Now, of Correct. course, all of your stuff comes from the mind, the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn. Have you ever heard from a fan an idea that, and you put it in the back of your mind and thought, oh, shit, I'm going to use that at some point? Um, a fan talked to me about the Days of Future Past comic, which I hadn't read. Okay. And then I read that. I went, ooh, this could be the, how, a way of doing what I call the Godfather 2 superhero as, in the cutting. So, um <sighs> So that did come from a fan. Okay, there you go. See? I swear to God, if we see Matthew Vaughn announced as the next Bond director and it's a 60s period piece, 
You'll be dreaming. I'll be very... You'll be <laughs> fast asleep. <laughs> yeah. Over, yeah, going, wow. It'll be Marv plus Real Blend presents. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It'll be star- and starring you as Bond. <laughs> I mean, yeah. give the people what they want. Exactly. We shout out to your daughter's cat who's in this movie, by the way. We got to give yeah. her a shout out. It's amazing. Thank so, you for yeah. doing this. We yeah. really appreciate yeah. you coming on. No this problem. Really yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you and we good luck with it. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. We want to thank our good friend Matthew Bond for coming on the show and, of course, our friends at Universal for helping us set up this interview as part of the junket. So we're going to get into our review of Argyle now um, and we're going to keep it spoiler free for the beginning of it. We are going to reserve a little bit of time to talk spoilers in our review, but we'll make it very clear uh, before we get into that conversation of when that is going to happen, because we want you guys to enjoy the film as it is and protect as much as we can for it. Um, So I'm going to make a comparison to this um, film and Vaughn's Kingsman franchise, because I think it's the closest in tone um, in in terms of heavy action uh, spies, which seems to be something that Matthew Vaughn is really interested in. It sets it apart from from something like Kick-Ass or or X-Men First Class. And as as much as I think that Argyle is Fun, I don't know if it's as fun for me as the Kingsman films, which have this kind of irreverence to them, um, really kind of pushes the envelope in terms of its humor. Uh, I think Taron Edgerton is a really fun as a, as a leading man. There's um, something really great about uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, where her character ends up going as the story progresses. And I'll hold on to that. But because of that, because there's a there's a sort of hindrance or a, ha- a hampering um, in terms of her character being sort of like lost in the mystery of what is what is Argyle or who is Agent Argyle. And that's been one of the driving forces of the um, of the marketing campaign that I felt is in the dark as her character did throughout the course of the movie. And there's a lot of um, as you heard in the interview, Kevin talked about this sort of uh, blinking perspective that takes you from the real life that's happening to the characters, quote unquote, real life um, and the and the fictional aspect of a story that's being told. Um, I think Vaughn does a good job of sort of balancing that line. But there were times when I was a little bit thrown It's just like what is real, what isn't real. And it all gets answered. Um, but through the course of watching it, I will say that that took me out of the picture a little bit because. From the get go, this movie opens with a slam bang action sequence that involves um, Henry Cavill and John Cena. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a ton of fun. You know, this is going to be off the walls, like really wild, rambunctious. And maybe because Vaughn wanted to 
do this by design because he almost talks about in the interview how this was a little bit of a, of a smaller movie for him, the way that he considered it. I thought it dialed back some of the um, lunacy that he kind of brings to his movies in general. I still had a good time with it. I still enjoyed it, um, but I but I didn't love it as much as I really came out of the Kingsman movie. I think the first Kingsman made my made my top 10, my first top 10 um, the year that it came. Not my first top 10, but the top 10 the year that it came out. I remember Colin Firth being such a blast in that film. And I remember the the church fight, the the Warner in the church sequence being you know, so mind blowing. And I, I still think Bond's a terrific filmmaker. Um, this one I just thought was was good, but didn't didn't quite blow me away. Jake, I think you're I, I think you maybe even fall a little bit more on the other on the other side of the line. Yeah, this movie did not work for me. Um, I, I kind of felt it was a sort of a cinematic example of like, you know, two steps forward, one step back. Every time I felt like there was something that that I sort of liked, you know, I kind of felt like there were, you know, there'd be a 20 minute stretch where I was like, ah, I don't I don't know how I feel about this. And I think a lot of it comes down to, to tone in that like I couldn't quite figure out just what kind of movie we were supposed to be watching or how I was supposed to be feeling about the action and the humor. I mean, I feel like particularly the first Kingsman is just so assured in what type of spy movie it wants to be. It's not mm-hmm. It's not James Bond. It's definitely not, you know, the the Craig James Bond, but it's nowhere near as like slapsticky as like in Austin Powers. It sort of finds this right. really sweet spot somewhere right there in the middle. It sticks the tone within the first 10 minutes and it, it sort of, you know, stays the path the entire film. And I felt like with this film, because it's alternating between a couple of different realities, whether it be sort of the literary one or whatever is happening in real life, that those two different parts of the film have two different vibes that kind of bleed into each other and just because of that I don't feel like Vaughn did a great job of like ever making me feel like I like this is the type of film that you're watching this is where you're supposed to be because I feel like the spy genre can be so many different things but it needs to know what it is exactly you know if if you're if you're you know watching a a Daniel Craig Bond movie and all of a sudden there's a uh, an Austin Powers you know slapstick joke in there it's jarring you know and so so I sort of felt like he never exactly knew uh, what it is that he was making therefore I feel like that translates on screen there which made me feel like I never knew what it was that I was watching and all the way through, you know, the, the ending of the film, I think I was even left going like, wait, what, what, what did I just see? And not, not, not in an overly dramatic, terrible way. Cause it's not a bad film, but it's just mm. like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about like even the last moment in the movie. Like, like, is that supposed to be a joke? Is that supposed to be a, you know? And, and I think, you know, I will say, you know, speaking of one step forward, two steps back, like I, there were some genuine surprises in there, like plot twist where I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Like that was that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But all of them felt very reminiscent of other similar versions of that plot twist that I feel like we've seen other people do better. Like there would be, you know, uh, changes in characters that I thought, oh, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. That reminds me of movie X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. It was better in that one, but I didn't expect it here. So even like the, some of the more complimentary words I can say about the movie still come with sort of the asterisk where it sort of feels like, 
Yeah, but it, uh, yeah, that was good here. But like, it's still it's kind of a rip off of, of this movie. And and, yeah. and, and and I know we're going to talk about spoilers later. And it's, these are easier things to talk about. With the, the big joke, I feel like with all of us at, at the junket in London was how difficult of a movie it is to talk about uh, without getting into spoilers. Yeah, um, specifically you know, to certain actors who play yes. specific characters. And exactly. like to that end, one person who I really want to I, I want to single out Bryce Dallas Howard and I want to single out Sam Rockwell because they're almost tasked with the two with the two of them have to balance back and forth between both lines. Mm-hmm. And once you guys see the film, you'll understand how difficult their their assignment sure. really is. Rockwell in particular has to be this bridge between the two worlds. Sure. And um and Bryce Dallas Howard does a lot of reacting to it. Kev, where do you put it in terms of your appreciation of Vaughn and how it maybe stacks up to his other films. I think for me, like the two words that I think about a lot when I think about this film are ambitious and uneven. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think uh, I admire his ambition because there are some action scenes in this film that are downright insane. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't know how he comes up with it. Even in our interview, he said that he would write something down and then I have to somehow film this and make it work somehow. Um, That's to me, when I watched Argyle, I didn't know what I was can expect. I didn't know it was coming. There's a lot of great twists. And so, I don't know, for me, it was, I had fun with the experience. I don't think it's a great film, but I think it's a good film. I think it has some really solid direction. To me, Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard, as you said, they carry the whole film. Rockwell is remarkable in this, as is Bryce Dallas Howard. And like, I remember when I first saw Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and Matchstick Men, there was something about Rockwell that I just really latched onto as an actor. And I think with this particular film, I, he just he is such a reliable character uh, character actor like he mm-hmm. he makes everything entertaining um, no matter what the circumstances uh, in this film he's fun to watch um, you know a couple of things that I had a problem with the PG-13 rating I think hurts the movie a bit mm, and I think that's a good point. Matthew Vaughn works really heavily in R-rated material Kick-Ass, Kingsman, um, Layer Cake uh, you know, there's something about his violence. Now, I will say the violence in this film almost felt like cotton candy in a way. Like it was like it was like it was like kind of in some points uh, looks like cotton candy. Right. And so those scenes were cool. So I, so I I get where he's coming from. But the problem is when you're watching a film like this, even even if there's a fantastical element to it. When you're seeing violence done on screen and there's no blood or there's no like repercussions for what just happened, it does take you out. But then you it's start cartoonish. Wondering. It becomes right. cartoonish almost. And I think that's probably the point of it. And I think yeah. it goes back to, to to Jake's point about tone and, and, and whether or not it knew what it wanted to be. Um, I got to tell you, I didn't see any of the twists coming. Yeah. So I for, for me, it was kind of a fun ride. I, I was just like, oh, what's going to happen? I mean, for people out there who haven't seen the marketing for this, the whole marketing campaign is who is Agent Argyle? That's the big question every trailer ends that way every person wants to know it's a brilliant way to market the film um and i will say the film delivers i feel uh, on those okay. twists really i do so, that, that's, I, I do. that's I do. what i want to say for the spoiler conversation because that is one of my biggest complaints is the I resolution like the to that question do you I guys want to just to transition into that do you want to yeah, just why don't we do that? Why don't we okay. throw up the spoiler wall now at this point? And for the remainder of the review, uh, we're going to get into specifics for Argyle. So if you're just going into it cold and you want to just um, understand where we're coming from, Kevin thought it was ambitious, but kind of uneven. Jake was a little bit disappointed. I fall right between the two of them. I did have fun with it, but I have I have issues with how it all sort of played out. 
um, we're going to get into now the idea of the answer of who is Agent Argyle. And and for people who have made it this far into the thing, there's a book that exists called Argyle, and it's a spy thriller. And this movie is essentially following the author of that book um, and played by Bryce Dallas Howard. And we see her at at book signings and there are readers who are asking her questions about the characters. And she essentially says, you know, that that these characters just kind of came to her and she's been writing these adventures down. And and her her parents, played by uh, Catherine O'Hara and Brian Cranston, are incredibly supportive. Um, And then. Surprise, surprise. The big reveal is that Bryce Dallas Howard was a former spy and she's writing from her memories. She is I mean, is she she's Agent Argyle, essentially, because it's like Rachel. Isn't it like Rachel Kyle or something like that? And and so when you put our Kyle together, it sounds like Argyle. Yes. And and uh, Catherine O'Hara and uh, Brian Cranston have been encouraging her to write these stories because they want the information that's that she's been protected uh, protecting in her head, in her memories, um, coming up with an idea of a, of a fake accident kind of uh, that that has led to her amnesia. Uh, I'm with Kevin. I didn't see that coming whatsoever. Um, and okay, but there's a difference between I didn't see it coming and I'm happy with the answer. I, I, maybe, I, I'm I didn't both. see it. I'm both. <sighs> yeah, I'm both. I, I liked it. I, 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 That's one of my I mean, least too. favorite things about the movie is the resolution it's, to that question. It's funny. I actually liked it because at the end of the day, the build up to that moment, you were expecting some massive celebrity or something to show up. I thought it was think, the cat. Or really the cat. Did. Or so, it was going to be something ridiculous. Worse. That would have been terrible. I, I think it's a really smart concept that an agent lost her memory and she was roped into writing these stories to re- I think it's a really cool idea well, to be honest and you know with you. What's and even, like, and, yeah. What's even funnier is if you go back to the beginning of the movie and Bryce Dallas Howard has turned in her latest draft and asked her mom to read it. Right. And the mom is saying to her like, "Hey, your ending's not there, you know. It's a like, cop out. You can't leave him on a cliffhanger sort of thing." You should keep writing. And then once you realize that she wants her to keep writing to get Smart. to the details that she gets to, like even that all kind of makes sense. So I appreciated that. But I just feel like, it. I mean, the the whole spy with amnesia thing we've seen before. So the entire sure. marketing hook and, and the twist of this movie is a plot point that we've seen. It's, it's but that's, but I, that, that's like that's like saying we've seen the we've seen John Wick a million times. The first John Wick movie is nothing more than a revenge film like Charles Bronson Death Wish or something like that. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's just taking the it's just taking. No, the, but but if you watch the Beekeeper and say, oh, this guy gets angry because the guy killed his bees, and someone says, oh yeah, but that's John Wick. To me, that's a totally fair comparison. <laughs> no, is that I, what the Beekeeper is about? He gets mad because someone the, kills the, bees. The point I'm making is that no so. plot, no plot is going to be free of classic I, I'm, not, you know, I'm, not saying it, I'm not saying it's not but when you tell me that the entire like hook of this movie is the answer to a question and the answer to the question is a tired cliche that we've seen before that's when I I, I get look I you know I had, a, I had a college professor that say that all all movies boil down to like either yeah. mythology like biblical tales or, yeah. or something else I figure what the third one was so so all, all movies are in some form or fashion like you know like dune we're, we're all we're all flying out for dune tomorrow you know it's it's the messiah story like it's it's a story that we've seen before but you know when when the, the, just this idea that like this big we're we're heading toward this huge revelation and again again there's also a degree of like you can't also blame Matthew Vaughn too much on that he has no control over how they market his movie he has no control over the fact that they have marketed the movie 
on the answer to this question. Maybe he didn't intend it to be as oh, big he, of a question. He as, said he didn't. So, yeah. so you can't knock him for that. But I, I genuinely think, and again, in the same way that we say Rotten Tomatoes isn't you know the barometer of of you know a, a movie, nor should uh, people's response on on social media be. That being said, I do think there is going to be a massive backlash on on social media this weekend whenever people find out what the answer to that question is. I have less of a problem with people figuring out the answer to that question as I do to this imbalance of tone. Like the imbalance of tone is the thing that that ultimately dooms this movie, because now that we're talking openly about spoilers, those action set pieces towards the back half of it are wildly entertaining. They're a lot of fun, but they belong in that that Kingsman universe that's exaggerated and it doesn't fit with a lot of stuff that happens in the beginning of the movie. Like the the uh, skating on the oil to (laughs) me. Awesome. (laughs) I see. I just thought that was so one. The the CGI. It doesn't help it, but I just like to me, like I even I so like that it, looked good. It, it, I thought oh, that I thought it looked, looked bad. Good. Oh, but but like so like I if we okay compare that to like the church shootout in Kingsman, to oh, me yeah. that that scene has at least one foot in in yeah. reality. Like yeah. it's an exaggerated version of reality, not not indifferent from like a Tarantino Django shootout. To yeah. me, the 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 the, the big uh, shootout scene in Argyle and the the skating sequence over the oil that we're talking about. To me, those are like almost borderline for lack of a better word, cartoonish. Which again, I, uh, I, I found I, I just had a problem with that. Do you know mm. what? I don't know if we're still fighting our way out of the the covid cgi pipeline backup mm. where things you just look don't look i think there's i think things are looking better than they did a year ago the beginning um, of this movie looks really bad like when, oh, like when that, that car chase yes. i mean that and then, they mean, put that, that yeah. shot's in the trailer but there's like, i think there's still elements of a lot of movies where if they just had more time to to bake the effects or to refine them a little bit, these things would look better. But I'm not, let, and I wonder if we're ever going to pull out of it, to be honest with you. I wonder if we're you, just stuck there. This is a bigger question to which maybe there's not actually an answer. But like, how has Hollywood not figured out how to use a green screen? Like it just, like there are just so many insert shots. And, and we complained about this when Dial of Destiny came out uh, in that in that chase sequence. Like, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I think you could put an average moviegoer in front of an action scene and say, listen, there are four shots in this action sequence I'm about to show you that are green screen. Tell me yeah. what they are. And I think the, now granted, because I, I know that, that we have an eye for these sort of things because it's what we do for a living. I think the average viewer can pick it out. And if the average viewer can pick it out, I, there's just some horrible, awful green screen shots. Is it budget shots. though? Is it budget? Is it not wanting to spend the money I to mean, do it properly? This movie costs $200 million, allegedly. So oh. yeah. A lot of money, and, and you know it was independent. It's an independent yeah. film. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's done by I mean, Mark. It's. I mean, it's the the best thing that this movie has going for it is that we haven't had a new movie. I mean, we've had the same number one and number two at the box office for three weeks. Like the yeah. best thing this movie has going is that there's just nothing else. Like it's. Right. It's got. It, it, this is like the easiest path to number one at the box office I've seen in a long time. Like, it's, do you guys yeah. think? Do you think Matthew Vaughn has an audience that draws people out? Do people come I don't to think, a Matthew I don't think Vaughn people, movie? I don't know. No. Interesting. Uh, I, so, think, I think Vaughn has a as a as a niche fan base. Okay. I mean, I, like Guy Ritchie is like 
obviously above him in terms of name yeah, in recognition. Terms of name recognition, yes. But, but I, I think I Vaughn. I don't know. I, I, I mean, when, when when you're putting that in a trailer from the twisted mind of Matthew Vaughn, there's enough. Mm-hmm. I think there's enough people who know his name. I, again, I don't think it's gen- like my mom and dad don't know who. Don't there's not yeah, general yeah, audiences. Yeah. They don't know who Matthew Vaughn is. They know who Guy Ritchie is. They know who Christopher Nolan is. They know Tarantino. He's not that level, but they know Vaughn, Vaughn's titles. That's Vaughn, why. Like, yeah, Vaughn if you put has kick a good ass Kingsman, list, yeah. things like that. You know, but are those movies of, that like okay? Hmm. Is Kingsman? Kingsman, yes. But like, I, I feel like for every Kingsman, like. I'm not sure Kick-Ass I mean, Kick-Ass oh. didn't do particularly great at the box. I'm not sure Kick-Ass is going to get... Too. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty old. Eli. And, and, and Kingsman 2... First Kick-Ass cost $30 million and it made 96. Yeah, Kingsman 2 didn't like leave people with a good taste in their mouth. And I don't yeah. think I, there was a massive audience for The King's Man. So we're talking about a franchise that like... You know, sure, we all love the first one, but it's not like it's this behemoth franchise that's bringing people... I I, I don't think... And, and, and you know, while we're in spoilers... That post credit. Okay, here's the thing. We all saw the screening in a room full of people who I think are fairly well-educated movie people. And I, mm-hmm. I like to think that we sort of can follow things. There is this, I don't want to call it half-assed attempt, but this sort of shoehorned attempt at trying to fit Argyle into the same universe yeah. as Kingsman, which yeah. I, when the post credit scene ended, you had a room full of movie professionals going, wait, what? What does that mean? Yeah, what and does that's that not mean? good. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I know. Well, and and he goes on to say in our interview, you'll learn more about that Argyle character uh, in the next movie, but you can't bank on that. No, you cannot. You no. can't save stuff for a movie that we don't know is unless you're Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, you can't save stuff for a movie that you don't know is gonna gonna happen. Apparently, it's a it's a character that's set up in a book that none of us have read yet. So it is it's a lot of pre work. Um, so that being said, if he makes another Argyle movie, I'll be there to watch it. Um, but I will be curious to see if this is the start of a franchise or if it is something else entirely. All right, let's kind of take a quick break, and on the other side of that, we're gonna play a very fun game. All right, we are back. Um, we're going to blow the dust off of a very fun game that we uh, used to play on the premium, and I'm we're bringing excited. it over into the main show. I do. I love this one. I um, love this we are game. playing the IMDb game. It's the IMDb game. We played this with Tarantino one time at oh, his house. Oh, that's right. At his home. <laughs> yes, we Our did. lives are weird. Our lives are very weird. Gabe, would you explain the rules of the IMDb game to the people who are listening? It's the IMDb game. You're likely not a uh, old premium subscriber, and maybe you haven't seen this this game. This game uh, we did not invent; we stole from. If you ever listened to the show Douglas Borrowed. Movies, borrowed, borrowed, of course. I say stole for fun, um, which he stole from another radio show, I believe, as well. So it's just a fun game going going around. What's uh, the show? Doug Loves Movies. If you haven't listened to Doug Loves Movies, very good. Sean, former guest. I was a guest on that show one time. Uh, yes, that was very fun. He's very a good guy. It's, it is a good show. It's a good show. So thank you. Doug loves movies for this fun game that we when we have time for we like to play because uh, it's competitive and it's and it's good fun. The way that it works, I have a series of IMDb pages pulled up. I will reveal the filmmaker actor uh, to these three gentlemen, and they will have to try to guess the top four most known four projects listed on their IMDb page, and they will get points accordingly. It's been a while. I think I gave a bonus point if you get all four. Yes, that sounds so, right. Yeah, so you get a you get a point for. Winning the round, and then you get a bonus point if you get all four, I think is how I score this. It's a little rusty. It's a little rusty. Uh, but yeah, we can go ahead and get started. 
And Let's if you're listening this. to this for the very first time, it is never game. the titles you think that it is. Never. Right. I mean, that, that's, a, that's the whole premise of the, of the game. That's yes. what makes it fun. It's just, it's never <laughs> the things that, in fact, okay, so here's, this is a little test. Um, randomly, uh, we had a rainy Saturday in Chicago uh, this past weekend, and my girlfriend said what was one of the coolest things she's ever said to me, which is, hey, do you want to watch Anaconda? Which the answer to that question is always yes. Yes. Um, and she was trying to figure out who John Voight was. And I was like, oh, my God, he's been in like 10,000 different movies. Let me pull him up on IMDb. And it was like uh, Midnight Cowboy, okay. uh, Deer Hunter, one other classic, and then Anaconda. And I was like, I'm really surprised that Anaconda is in his top four. Like that, they're really. And then I explained the IMDb game to her, and uh, she didn't care. But it's an Ice Cube uh, classic. Dude, Ice I Cube love classic. that. I legit, legitimately love Anaconda. Me too, dude. That movie's terrifying. But I get shit on this show for things that I like. Well, and no, don't because like. you don't like you don't like Mad Max. So like your your your, your opinion is just not valid. Fury Road, specifically. Fury Road. <laughs> let's, let's not lump the whole franchise. Sean loves Anaconda's. Now, before we run out of time for a competitive game, let's go ahead and get started. Let's go. Our, this week, uh, we're keeping it in theme. We're doing an Argyle-themed... Uh, Ooh, a lot of good names. Game. Um, right. And we're going to kick things off with the man of the hour, Matthew Vaughn. Ooh, um, so I'll give, you, I'll give you gentlemen a moment to write down a few, few options. You're looking for the top four most known for from the writer, director, producer, extraordinaire, Matthew Vaughn. I'm getting spicy early. Getting spicy early. <laughs> a long career. It really goes back. While we're coming up, you know, a, a plot twist a that people might not expect if you haven't heard this game is that uh, oftentimes it's not even uh, someone's credit for which they're most known. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, it, it might be, for example, I don't, and I don't think this is the case, but like it might be Spielberg, but the four movies may be four movies that he produced. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it can get it can get very complicated. And in that sometimes way. I, th- I think even television sometimes. Yeah. It's an actor yeah TV crosses over the, the exactly. line. Like Cranston will be tough because there are a bunch of different directions. Ooh, you can go with them. True. All right. Cranston, Cranston all being in. in. Yep. You locked yep. in with your form. All right. Locked I'm going to I'm going to start out. And of course, the answers are now locked in. We all it's all gentlemen's game here. I, I assume that you uh, are not going to rewrite your answers, obviously. Uh, Sean, you're going to kick us off. What are your four? The kid. <laughs> the kid. Uh, my four are X-Men First Class, Kick-Ass, Rocket Man, and Kingsman, the first one. And uh, let's do Kevin next. Um, I'm also doing Kick-Ass. I wrote down Starburst, but I meant Stardust. Um, <laughs> uh, Kingsman, the first one, Secret Service, and then uh, First Class, X-Men. And uh, Jakey? I went Kingsman 1, Kingsman 2, Ooh. X-Men, and Kick-Ass. And of course, X-Men, X-Men, First Class. Like just Come a, on, Starburst. Just a, it's an exciting first round because you all... Got three correct, so Ooh. so no points are no points are awarded. Uh, his top four most known for, according to IMDb, are Kingsman: The Secret Service, which is the first okay. one, yes. X Men: First Class, okay. Kick Ass, mm-hmm. and Layer Cake. Ah, damn it! I should have gone with Layer Cake because that's I the thought about Layer Cake. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a big one. That's an important one. It really kicked yeah. off. His, but but, uh, but so often, like you know, to the point of this game, the important ones aren't on there. Right. And if it, there's nothing better than Kevin getting spicy. Up next, we have Henry Cavill. Ooh. For the top four most known for, according to IMDb. Oh, no. 
for Henry Cavill. <laughs> right. Which, in his own right, has become Mr. Franchise in a lot of ways. He really has. Yes. Should I go spicy? I think I might go spicy in this one. I hope Black Adam is one of them. Oh, I'm, going, <laughs> I'm going real. I'm I'm going real spicy on this one. All right, Jake, you locked in. I'm locked in. I'm ready to go, baby. Kev, you locked in. I'm locked in. Sean is trying to think of what were those no. superhero movies he was in. I can't remember the <laughs> name of. Like, play? I remember was he was he? Uh, he was super at it. What was he? What character did he play? Um. Kev, go ahead and start us off. Not that it matters, but go ahead and start us off this time. Uh, what are your gonna, four most known for? I'm going to go with Immortals. Ooh. That's my spicy pick. Um, wow. Mission Impossible Fallout. <gasps> oh, Shh, good it. one. Damn it. Man from <laughs> Uncle. Okay. BBS. Okay. Interesting. I, and, I, and just for the clarification, I'm sure Man of Steel is in there somewhere, but it's all right. Jake, continue. Your top four for Mr. Henry Cavill? I think Ke- Kevin had some good ones. Um, I'm going Man of Steel, uh, Batman vs. Superman, The Witcher, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. <sighs> Spicy. Okay. Sean, you're All writing right. us out. I have Man of Steel and, and BVS. I went Enola Holmes. Ooh. <laughs> Love Enola Holmes. And so Man, from Uncle. Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle. He said Garfunkel. Gentlemen, <laughs> you, were, you were coming back into the game uh, with a fury. You each got two correct. Come on. Whoa. No Whoa. points awarded yet again. It is zero to what? zero to zero. His top four, most known four, according to the Internet Movie Database, is R, Man of Steel. Gotta be. BVS. Okay. Mission Impossible Fallout. Wait, then Kev got three. No, Kevin didn't oh, get no, Man of Steel. He didn't get Man of Steel. Steel. Man of Steel. <laughs> Did Uncle. And the theatrical release of Justice League. God, <laughs> if I just said Justice League. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have probably given you no, either no, of no. them. No, no, no. I would have made you clarify. <laughs> that's funny. I would have made you clarify. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, none yeah. of us clarified on Batman versus Superman. We all said BBS. I mean, BBS is BBS. I mean, there was a, a director's cut on. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, yeah. That, you mean like Ultimate like, Edition? Well, Justice yeah. League was like yeah, Justice no, League was a full here. I'll put release. it this way, Jake. Yeah, there's there's two IMDb entries for Justice League and Zack Snyder's Justice League. There's one BBS. Yeah, there it is. That's the rule. Yeah. Okay, that makes All sense. Right. Jake, if you need to know the difference between the two Justice Leagues, I have a book I can recommend to you. It's called Release <laughs> the Snyder Cut. Uh, um, no need. I'm on the Blu-ray. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. We, can do this. we can do this with Spider-Man, too, if you want to. No, that's okay. Thank you very wait, much. Wait till you see the new special edition of Die Hard coming out. <laughs> hey! Hey! I am deep. We have time for we have time for a few more rounds. Here. We have Let's to. Go. Someone has to win. I know. We have zero. But this might be the lowest scoring game ever, just for the folks uh, who are hearing this for the first oh, time. Challenge accepted. Up next, we have Bryce Dallas Howard. Ooh. Bryce Dallas Howard. We're looking for her top four most known for a lot projects. of options here. Yeah, a lot. Bryce a lot Dallas of work. Howard. Has acted for a long time. Is a director in her own right these days. Oh wow, true. I might get a little spicy. A little I spicy? spicy on this. I might get a little spicy on this one too. A little spicy. You can. It's easy. I feel like this is the kind of person where you could either get zero out of four or you could get four out of four, both very sure. easily. 
Well, she's got a lot of massive projects that she's a part of. Films, classics, classics in different genres. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she's got she's got a lot. She's got a lot. Forty three. She has forty three acting credits, current acting credits. Um, A couple upcoming. All right. She told me an amazing story about while we're while we're finishing this out about watching Apollo 13 with her father. I guess it was like a an anniversary release. And, and that was the next, moment that Kevin realized that Ron Howard was her father. <laughs> right. Well, she's sitting next to Ron Howard. He's wide eyed. He's like, wait, yeah. what? Well, no, that's what happened. Like he well, I mean, Ron Howard, like he he was it was like 20 years after the film came out or something like that. And he was sitting next to her and he didn't even watch the movie. He just turned around and watched every person's face reaction sure. to the film. And I was like, that just reminds me of like the childlike wonder that Ron Howard encompasses. Oh, I love Ron Howard. What a me happy too. day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Jake. Hey. Jake, kick us off. What are your top four most known for? Uh, I went with Jurassic World. Uh, Which the one? Uh, the first the one? Jurassic World. One. I, did, I, did, I, didn't, I didn't say Jurassic World Dominion. The Zack Snyder's Jurassic World? Yeah, Zack Snyder's, yeah. <laughs> Jurassic World, that. The Help, The Village, mm. and Black Mirror. Oh, the Village is a yeah. good one. The village the helps is a good it. one. The helps uh, a good one. Sean, what are your top four for Bryce Dallas I did Howard? The help. I did Jurassic World Dominion. I did Spider Man three. Ooh. And I did The Mandalorian. Ooh. Sean I'm getting spicy. Yeah. And uh, Kevin, <laughs> watch us all go over four. <laughs> I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not botching this. She's in the village. Cheers. So, I went the village. He's zero dark thirty. This <laughs> is <laughs> the wrong person completely. Chastain, all uh-huh. Chastain movies. I went uh, the village, Lady in the Water. Ooh, that's a good one. Mandalorian and the first Jurassic World. Full Shyamalan. Okay, I forgot. I about think Lady the help's going to be on there. Her top four, according to IMDb, are Black Mirror. Yes. Okay. Jurassic World Dominion. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Again. laughs> the Help. Yes. 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 And The Mandalorian. Hey, no! the kid gets three. <laughs> Sean takes a point with three correct. Sean's on the board. Wow. God, man, kid. I was really proud of my Black Mirror pick. That's a terrific episode. Yeah, of Black I was Mirror. just about to say that is one of my favorite episodes of Black Mirror, um, a show that I think, like, not to to knock Netflix, but I do think has taken a dip since Netflix has taken it over. Um, that is one of their best episodes. Our next actor on IMDb is Sam Rockwell. Ooh, that's tough. Sam Rockwell. Okay. Now this uh, is, I mean. This is the toughest one. Is there so far. a pick? Is there a pick that's not spicy for Sam Rockwell? He's a bit of a um, character actor, you know. He's all over the place. All over the place. Yeah, I love him in that in that one with the Coolio song. I'm joking. What? Dangerous Minds. Remember, Coolio did a song oh, for the movie Dangerous Minds, it. and then Was he's he in a in movie that? called Confe- No, but he's in a movie oh, called Confessions. Confessions of a Dangerous Minds. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's- continue. That is a deep pull. That was Kev. that was like an inception joke. <laughs> I needed an IMDb page just to get that one. Down. Just to get that joke. The, yeah. The, yeah, follow the trail. <laughs> wow. This is you can go anywhere. I, I, I legit I'm looking at my four and thinking I could go 0 for four or I could get all four of these right. I feel good about mine, which means I'm probably gonna miss all four. Yeah. 
Any any spicy picks, Kev? Uh, a few. If, it, if it's gonna help your your confidence at all, uh, this gentleman has a hundred and nine acting credits. Yeah, jeez, uh, yeah. perfect. That makes it way better. Yeah. <laughs> While you're waiting, right. I, this is uh, kind of interesting that um, good. Uh, Dylan O'Brien and Corey Michael Smith are going to play Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase in a movie about uh, SNL's first season. That movie is really shaping up to be interesting. Yeah, I think it could be very interesting. Who's wait? Who's directing it? It's someone big, isn't yeah. it? But isn't uh, isn't the kid from Fablemans playing Lord Michaels? Is yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. The kid who played young Spielberg. I, yeah. I may or may not be getting on Friday on Groundhog Day. Um, and, and you guys know what I mean when I say may or may not be getting uh, Bill Murray. What? Yeah. Yeah. Are they are they calling it Saturday Night Live to tape? <laughs> Thank you. That's an hey. old joke. Talk about old hey. jokes. Live to tape, kids. Look it up. Uh, is everyone locked in with their Sam Rockwell picks? Yes. Uh, Sean. You kick us off. What are your top four most on four projects? Uh, I don't feel good about these at all. Um, I went with I went with Moon. Okay. Ooh, Uh, good one. Three billboards. Iron Man two, and Matchstick Men. I think I I didn't have Moon. Moon's a good one. Kev. Okay, so I have a question. If I already wrote my four down, but I had, but I had the 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 number. I had Iron Man three versus Iron Man two. Do I need to admit that and then change it to two? You can just. I, 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 I mean, just you can just tell me his Iron it was. Man movie is fine. I mean, okay. Well, for you guys, are you okay with? I'll that? allow it. I'm okay with allowing. Okay, sure. I, I lost so, because I put Zack Snyder's Justice League, but sure, sure. <laughs> it's a different sure. situation. I wrote Iron Man three. So if you guys are cool, if not, I'll, I can just, I, just I'm take it. Okay, I don't. So, I don't care enough. It's just for fun. So Iron Man 2. There you go. All right. Uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Iron Man 2, Matchstick Men, and Billboards. Uh, Jakey. Gabe, I forgot up. to tell you, when I wrote Jurassic World for Bryce Dallas Howard, I really meant Jurassic <laughs> World Dominion. Yeah. I thought that I meant it. I just had it mixed up. That's why I admitted it. What a tool. Uh, um, my four are three billboards. Uh, Vice, The Green Mile, and Matchstick Men. Oh, The Green nice. Mile. I forgot he's in that. Yeah. His top four, according to IMDb, for Sam Rockwell, are Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Ooh, good, wow. well done, Kev. Seven Psychopaths. Oh, I love Seven Psychopaths. Three Billboards. All right, nice. And Moon. Oh, oh Kevin and Sean tie with two each. And then my Iron Man didn't matter anyways. Yeah. Okay, uh, so cool. so Kevin and Sean will get a point, but Jake is left with a goose egg. A when, score, I, a score. when I wrote Vice, I meant Moon. Well enough. Uh, <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> just just well, well, here's the thing, Jake. I knew that neither of those mattered. Gabe was like, yeah, I don't give In a retrospect, shit. You, you did play very loosey-goosey with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there yeah. was no Iron Man on the list. That was so, 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 so let, us, let us know from now on if we ask Gabe a question and he doesn't give a shit, it's because it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, score update. Uh, Sean is in the lead with, with two points. Kevin is right behind with one. And Jake is bringing up the rear with a goose egg. <laughs> That's been said about me a lot. There we go. Also, see Matchstick Men if you haven't. Oh, my it's God, yes. Terrific. Underrated Ridley Scott. Also a really good movie about OCD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you guys ready for a fun one? Yes. Yeah. One that I don't think we've ever played before. What? 
Well, this act, this actor was uh, in TV for a while, so I think we maybe just just while we were doing stuff, we just never came across it. I think this is the first time we're playing Catherine O'Hara. Ooh, oh, oh Catherine wow. O'Hara! Oh my! Wow! Yeah! Wow! I, I'm don't even know if I can get four. Oh my lord! Yes, you 100, can. 115 credits across. Oh, I, I got. Gosh, it, yeah. how many decades? Let's see. What is her first credit? Her first credit. Is it 1975? Wow. Catherine O'Hara, absolute legend. Wow. Nine, Don't nine years before, before she screamed Kevin. Don't give it away. <laughs> Everyone knows that. <laughs> well, that wasn't, no, what did you say, nine years? Because yeah, what year did that first HA come was out? It, wasn't that 90? Oh, no, that was 90. That was 90. Yeah. yeah, so it was 15 years, sorry. Yeah. Um. All right. It looks like it looks like Jake and Kevin are locked in. Sean, are you locked in? I'm locked in. I think I'm starting with not that it matters because you're already locked in. But Kevin, I think you're up. All right. I went Home Alone one, Home Alone two, Shit's Creek, and Frankenweenie. Okay. Frankenweenie. Jake, Jakey. Spicy. <laughs> I went very similar, but not 100. percent I went Home Alone, Home Alone two, Shit's Creek, and Beetlejuice. Okay. Hmm. And Sean. Uh, Home Alone, Schitt's Creek, Beetlejuice, and Best in Show. Ooh, yeah. Okay. That's a good That's a good call. I think it's going to be some Christopher Guest movie, yeah, but I don't know which that's one. That's a good call. Her top four. According to IMDb. I always forget Christopher Guest is married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah. Is he really? Yeah. Do you know his favorite uh, Disney song? <laughs> No. <laughs> Christopher Christopher That's his favorite Alan Macon song. It's really, really good. <laughs> All right. Her top four are Penelope. No. Oh, of course. Of course. Come on. <laughs> of course. How did I not remember that? Frankenweenie. No. <laughs> That was more of a joke. <laughs> Just no a while. I, I want you to rewind to the moment where you hear Sean go, Frankenweenie. She has a Frankenweenie. She's great in Frankenweenie. She's really good at it. All right. We also have Best in Show. Hey. Oh, wow. And A Mighty Wind. Oh, oh Jesus. Jesus. It's the one. crazy one. No Home Alone. <laughs> no Home Alone. <laughs> Wow, no Beetlejuice? No shit's creek. Oh, no shit's creek. No shit's but, creek. But Frankenweenie. But Frankenweenie. Frank so uh, Kevin and Sean tie yet again, each gaining a point. And Jake is just happy to be here. Hey, uh, story of my life. <laughs> no shit's right. creek. I can't believe that. Let's. Uh, I think we have time for one more. And then if it's if it's close enough, we might do a second just to, if we need to break a tie. Okay. Uh, but let's go ahead and try... Be our Christopher Guest. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go that was with really good. Uh, the top four most known for for Brian Cranston. <sighs> okay, Brian Cranston. Watch them not have Breaking Bad on there. <laughs> tricky. Wow. Tricky. Tricky. Yeah, tricky. One hundred and sixty-six credits, gentlemen. Um, okay, I'm going. I'm going to go kind of spicy. Okay, a little spicy. Yeah. I'm curious what, a a, spicy. curious what a spicy Cranston pick is. 
<laughs> Spicy Cranston sounds like a, a, a food item. You'd order, if, you like, up a, if you open up a restaurant. <laughs> Spicy Cranston. <laughs> <laughs> it comes to like blue, like blue candy around, around the, uh, there we around go. the, there the we rim go. of the, uh, the plate. Yeah. I think their their signature dish is the danger. Yeah, they serve they serve it in the hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of a bowl, you get soup in the, in the Heisenberg hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's called breaking bread. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Breaking bread. Oh God. Where's Vince Gilligan? We need him. You can have that one. I just want ten percent. <sighs> Oh, so um, when you sit down at your table, they hand you Malcolm in the menu. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! If you if you if you don't have time to sit down, you have to take the food to Argo. Jake, you are up. Uh, what are your top four for Brian Cranston? Do you believe? Speaking of, uh, uh, I'm going Argo, Breaking Bad, Malcolm in the Middle, and Trumbo. And Sean? Breaking Bad, Malcolm in the Middle, Argo, and Godzilla. Ooh, nice. Okay. Interesting. Kevin. Because I went Godzilla, Malcolm in the Middle, Trumbo, Breaking Bad. Oh, Ooh. all right. Yeah. So I, I think we, will, we have a sim- similar list, but there's one off on each one, yeah. I think. It's just Argyle four him. times. Why him is on there? It's our goal, Yule. Stretch, stretch. Um, Brian Cranston's top four, according to IMDb, are Malcolm in the Middle, yes. Breaking Bad, Bang, Argo, Bang. Oh wow! And from behind, we have Trumbo to give <laughs> oh, Jake, Jake oh, a Jake. clean sweep. Two wow. points. And a bonus the, point. And the extra point. So we got we to do another round. We got to be quick because Kevin Let's has a hard it. out. He's got to go be on right. live TV. Perfect. A quick score update. Quick score update. John has three points. Jake and Kevin have two. Oh, wow. John is barely holding on to the lead here. Right, if here Kevin or Jake double their points here. And Sean whips. Let's go. A huge upset. Sean could be the, the lions of this game. <laughs> yeah and go, go 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 forward on fourth and two instead of kicking that yeah. field goal sean that's really great we're gonna round out with john cena oh all right john cena beautiful all talk right, about a mr it. franchise i don't I think he's ever not been in a franchise pronounced senna senna like the driver is he gonna is he gonna star in the uh f1 documentary or something or f1 biopic yes Oh boy, let's see. What do you choose? Why am I blinking? Because you can't see him. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We're just on a roll here. Uh, Uh, This is for uh, all the marbles, guys. Oh my gosh, why am I blinking? Uh, Jake, who's locked in? Anybody locked in? I'm locked in. I need to get one more. I need to think of one more. Kevin is oh, one sh- shy. I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm torn. Uh, all right, I'm gonna put this one down. Sean is locked uh, in, and it's gonna cost me. I think it's gonna cost me. Yeah, I, t- I took a, a bit of a gamble on one. Are of we mine. all in? We all in? Okay. Can I ask a quick question before we reveal this? Um, and if this is not possible, I will. I don't know. It, can I look at IMDb? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. If if he's part of the WWE. 
Uh-huh. Is yeah. WWE count as a credit? It's so it, is on, specific, it is on IMDb. That is how I will tell you is that I, they I, are I put listed a specific, on IMDb. Like WrestleMania or something like that. They have... Like SmackDown is like a TV series. So I'd have to Raw choose the specific a, one. Yes, you okay. can't just say WWE. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Thank you for letting me clarify. Okay. We will not, we'll not give we will not give you that one. <laughs> He's a no, wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I just wrestling. put movies. <laughs> um, wrestling. 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 <laughs> okay, I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ken, or, so, excuse me, Sean. You are kicking yes. us off. Top four, most known four. All right, John Cena, Bumblebee. Uh, Peacemaker, F9, mm. and the Marine. Ooh, I forgot about F9. <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> your top four. Uh, very similar to Sean's. Bumblebee, Fast 9, Suicide Squad, uh, the, the James Gunn one, Peacecape, Peacemaker, TV show. And Jakey. Uh, Peacemaker, Suicide Squad, Bumblebee, and I put WrestleMania. Okay. His top four. The one I'm going to put is Blockers. If Blockers is there, I'm going to be pissed. We have F9, the Fast Saga. We have Bumblebee. Yes. Yes. We have 12 rounds. Oof. Yeah. Or you played okay. Danny Fisher. You guys don't remember oh, the that, movie that, that's it. That's Danny the name Fisher? of it. I thought I thought 12, you were going to say like twelve, <laughs> like twelve rounds of like I remember twelve rounds, like a like a wrestling thing. And then finally, oh boy, we have. The Suicide Squad. Oh, all right. Now, gentlemen, we are, we're in a predicament, Kev. The score is now Sean 3, Kevin 3, Jake 2. Can I squeeze in a quick tiebreaker between Sean and Kevin? I have six minutes, so let's, let's, go. let's do Perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. Quick. It's going to be an easy one. We've played this gentleman, I think, 36 times in this game because he always comes up and he's a legend. Let's do um, it. Do I not play? Uh, you can play if you want just to see what you score, but I'll just get yeah, it from he, them. If you get two points, it. he catches up. If I get two points. If you get... That's true. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's fair. That's right. fair. That's fair. Um, Is it Sam? Sam Jackson. Okay. Sam Jackson. Now, we talk about we talk about Mr. and Mrs. Franchise. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, as an actor, this man has 214 Jeez. credits. That's it? 214 credits. 120 of them are Nick Fury. Hmm. I'm going to go spicy. I'm going real spicy. Real like spicy. Real spicy. Hey man, never hurts to go spicy in a tiebreaker round. Uh, in, a, in a round where Frankenweenie was one of the deciding votes. That's true. <laughs> Dance with the one that brought you, they say. Stay spicy. It's true. Um, all right. Kevin is locked in. Yep. Jake is locked in. Sean? Yes. Oh, not yet, not yet, not yet. Hold on. He's scrambling. He's had the lead the whole time, and now he's he's feeling the pressure. The, these are not correct, but go ahead. Okay, uh, Kevin, I think you you start us off this round. Pulp Fiction, Hateful Eight, Captain Marvel, Die Hard Three. Nice. Okay. Uh, Jakey. Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Avengers One, Attack of the Clones. Okay. And Sean. Pulp Fiction, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Shaft, and Jurassic Park. Ooh. Okay. All great ones. His top four most known for, according to IMDb. He's going to be so frustrating. Pulp Fiction. There okay. we go. The Hateful Eight. Oh, wow, good job, Kev. Kev. 
Snakes on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good. (laughs) And confirming our winner for today, breaking the tie, is Captain Marvel. Yes! Wow. Kevin got three right. Well done. Crushed. Final score. You know what it is? It's the interstellar in my jacket that helped me today, baby. It's a you movie, isn't it, Captain Marvel? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You love that one. The final score, the final score, and then I'll give it to you, Sean, to sign us off. Uh, Kevin wins with four points. Sean with three. The first time I've ever won. But I'll say, you know, man of the match, Jake with the only clean sweep and his only two points. It's true. Hey, well true. That was a good well one. I don't play you, well, but when I do, it was flashy. I play very it was well. Flashy, you know. You, you <laughs> caught the one-handed catch, and yeah, they said, "Yeah, exactly. it looks good," but he should have had two hands. They should have had two hands on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, Sean. All you right. take us away. Uh, for the call to action this week, guys, head to the comments under the YouTube channel and let us know your favorite Matthew Vaughn movie. If you'd like to wait until after you see Argyle, go to Argyle and then come back and let us know if that run that one ranks at the top of your list. Uh, we'll be back next week with a full on episode. Uh, we are, as um, one of the guys mentioned earlier, heading out to Dune, but Dune interviews will wait for a little bit. And so we'll get, tell you guys how all that goes when we're able to. So in the meantime, follow us on social media at Jake's Takes at Kevin McCarthy TV at at Sean underscore O'Connell at Gabe Kovach and the show is at Real Blend. Um, I, we need. I, I still have not figured out something good to say. Um, I guess we can say Dunes. 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 Yeah, Dunes. tunes until Dunes. it happens. But um, yeah. tune tunes. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.